Hello and welcome to another episode of DFT's Dungeon. My name is Daniel Terry, and tonight I'm talking about a very special record that I have loved immensely for the past two years. And the only other person that seems to love it as much as I do is my friend Brian Patton from the podcast As the Story Grows. Brian interviews a variety of awesome people on that show every single week, sometimes multiple times a week. I'll have a link for you guys to check out As the Story Grows in the show notes. But without further ado, let's get into my conversation about Inlet by Hum with Brian Patton. that i had to cover and miss my lunch <laughs> dude losing a lunch break is the worst like yeah. i've adopted this rule now whenever i go on lunch break yet if somebody walks up to me in the middle of my lunch break and starts talking to me about work stuff i'm like my break just reset yeah <laughs> it doesn't matter if it's a 30 minute break and i'm on minute 29 second 30 yeah. If you interrupted my lunch break, like I get another lunch break. I don't know if that's policy, but nobody's called me out on it yet. Not yet. Brian, how are you tonight? I'm good. I'm good. I had coffee this afternoon, so I'm ready to go. <laughs> nice and pepped up. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. I had coffee this afternoon, but I don't remember it. <laughs> and I certainly don't feel it at this point in the night. And that's, I think that's kind of not exactly a theme that we're having with this record, particularly if you've listened to the intro, which I can only assume that you did. We're talking about Inlet by Hum, which I was kind of on the fence on this one. Is this a rediscovering album or is it a discovering album? Because in my memory, this record came out a few months ago. But it turns out that it actually came out two years ago. I mean, it's still 2020, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it certainly feels that way. I was just recently on the Brutally Speaking podcast with John, and he's like, yeah, you haven't done an interview on Brutally Speaking in two years. We talked to Tatiana from Ginger, and that was the last episode I ever oh, did man. of Brutally Speaking. I was like, yeah, we just did that, though. Like, that wasn't that long ago. And he's like, no, it was, it was a while back, man. That's really how I feel about Enlit because it could not have come out at a better time, mm -hmm. which was in June of 2020, which is like really in the thick of pandemic season, I yeah. guess is what I'll start calling it now. Because I remember leading up to this, we all sort of made jokes about people getting sick and didn't think that it was going to be this like worldwide pandemic that it turned into. And I think by June we were all starting to feel pretty hopeless about the situation. That's like when lockdowns start happening. This is when, like, I actually remember right before this album came out, I was on my way to work. And I work on, like, breathing machines, right? <laughs> yeah. It's so, like, the essentialist of workers. And I had a cop pull me over right as soon as lockdown started. And, like, I don't live in the city. So, like, the cops out here are pretty, they're pretty rough and tumble. And they're not exactly like guys that just do what the government tells them to do. Right. <laughs> so I was really surprised when he pulled me over and he was like, where are you going? And I was like, well, I'm, I'm going to work. And he's like, and where's that? And I'm like, I don't know, man, it's, it's up north, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and he's just like, well, you know, you're not really supposed to be out and about because we got this virus going on. And I'm like, I, I know I still have to go to work. <laughs> My boss isn't going to understand that. And he let me go, but. It was weird because 
I had to actually get a note from my employer that I specifically to show to cops if they oh, were man. to stop us. And that was pretty hopeless. Like it's it's funny now, but I remember at the time being like, Am I gonna be prevented from being able to go to work? Like I'm the only person in my household that works, you know. What what am I gonna do? And so that's sort of my memories and feelings in leading up to this record coming out. What about you? Yeah, and it came out in June. So I'm like, yeah, one month into sobriety, going to AA meetings. Oh no. <laughs> Starting to run. I just remember like, there was no announcement that this record was coming out. It was like, log on to Facebook one day and like, everybody's like, there's a new hum record, there's a new hum record. I'm being like, okay, let me click on the Bandcamp link and I hit play and like probably 50 seconds in, I was like, all right, I'm spending the nine bucks on this. And it, it easily like some of the best nine bucks I've ever spent on music. And the, yeah, for two straight years, this has been in constant rotation with Arbiter. Like once a week, these records are in rotation. Arbiter, Hum Inlet. Like they're, they're companion records for me. Similar vibe, very different records, but a similar vibe and they, they make me feel the same thing. Yeah, we're gonna try to dig into that feeling a little bit. I can at least tell you how it makes me feel. I don't think it's a surprise to anybody that might be listening to this that Brian and I both have kind of an appreciation for very textured, fuzzy, you know, hard rock slash metal. And it's kind of weird because this record really toes that line of, it's certainly the heaviest hum record in my opinion, you know, and maybe that's just because technology is better for capturing all that stuff. Well, I think it's like you. everybody tunes their guitars lower now. And so it's just like you take hum riffs, you tune your guitars down, everything's heavier. Right. I mean, that could be. Me being a guy that listens to a lot of metal, it caught my ear in a way that I didn't think that it would because I thought that hum's just this band that has some like classic records out that I love, but I don't know if they're going to, you know, serve my musical needs, so to speak, in, in 2020, you know, right. especially when I'm upset everybody around me is upset you know i live out like past the suburbs in like god's country and so i'm far away from the city so like nobody around me wants the government in their business you know at all especially yeah. not telling them like where they're allowed to go what they're allowed to do how far apart they need to stand from other people they weren't having any of it so i was kind of surrounded at that time by angry people right and so here comes this record that's not really angry at all, you know? And it hit me out of absolutely nowhere. Cause again, you know, like Brian said, there's no, there was no announcement. I think it was you that told me about it. <laughs> you know, I think you'd like mess you're like, yo, did you hear this hum record yet? And I was Probably. like, and I was like, no, you know? And I remember even thinking like, is it some kind of re-release? Cause nobody had heard from hum since what, 2015, you know? Yeah. Something like, and even that was like a reunion type of thing, if I'm remembering that correctly. Yeah. And this record comes out of nowhere and it's like sort of waxing philosophical, you know, very, very textured, very mood oriented. And it calmed me down despite everything that was going on around and all, constantly being afraid of being sick, constantly being afraid that like if I go, because that was a thing like where I lived, if, where, if I would go somewhere and I would follow in accordance to like what CDC was saying at the time, people would ridicule me for it. You know, right. oh, you're a, you know, you're, you're a drone, you're an automaton, you're, you know, whatever. And it was like, not that I was like offended specifically by those things that were being said, but it was more of just the idea of like, can I just 
live my life the best way that I can without being hassled, right. you know, at, at every turn. Yeah, I mean, this thing absolutely calmed me down. I mean, even even from the very first song, Waves, like it doesn't even wait around because you almost expect like a record like this to have some big lofty introduction. Mm-hmm. And it's not at all. I, they get down to business immediately. Yeah. <laughs> but like waves is like the perfect way to start it off because it's so hmm, wavy, I guess. <laughs> There's no other way to describe it. Like it's, they name their songs really well. They're one of those bands. This song, it creates an immediately calming atmosphere, but also kind of a sad one. This is a podcast where we get to tell stories. So just go with me on a journey here because I'm going to go back to Cornerstone 2003. As at Encore Tent 2. And that night it was Esther Drang, Unwed Sailor, and The Violet Burning. And Unwed Sailor, I remember their set vividly for two reasons. One, Matt Putman was playing drums with Unwed Sailor, and he sat his drum kit right at the front of the stage, right in front of where I was standing, and he had a fan. And instead of having the fan blow on him, it was like hot as fuck because it was Cornerstone. So he had the fan at the audience, which is very kind of him. But I just remember that set from Unwed Sailor, like, you could just close your eyes and they're an instrumental band, but you could just like feel an atmosphere. And at the time, like you'd be like the Holy spirit is present here, right? Like that, that's what you would say. Uh, or what I would have said at the time, that was the vibe. And like, that's probably not a vibe they intended to create. That's maybe not a vibe anybody else picked up, but it was this real, like spiritual moment for me in that tent at cornerstone unintentional fast forward to probably September of 2020 um, like Saturday mornings my ritual was to wake up before my kids woke up as the sun was rising and go run you know three to eight miles however until my legs fell off um, so I'm I'm on that last mile coming home I'm coming across the Delaware River the sun is rising and shapeshifter is on and I had this moment of just like you know at that time, because of COVID, there was such this focus on like self-care and like making sure you're taking care of yourself and doing the things that are good for you. And running like felt like that. But it was this moment where I'm listening to Shapeshifter and I have, I have other things to say about that song because that song is so impactful um, to me and it's very layered. But it's like the sun is rising and I'm running and Hum is playing. And I'm just like, you know, people talk about like, spiritual disciplines if you grew up in church right and it's like read your bible pray fast go to church and it's like you know at this moment listening to hum running while watching the sunrise this is like the most disciplined and connected with god i am and have been in a long time because when i like got sober it was like i kind of overcorrected and threw myself trying to like be super religious again and that did, was not working <laughs> And so it was just like, this is a connection. This like, this is a spiritual discipline, the running and, and like, you know, there's like a, all music is spiritual. And that's, that's where I came out of that. Whether I'm listening to hum or it's happened listening to H2O or shelter or, you know, whatever POD who name a band, right? Like that is the moment where I am feeling like myself and connected with some higher power to use some AA terminology there. Like, and it was like this moment of like something unlocking my brain of just like spiritual disciplines and spirituality is not like these very specific set of rules. It's it's everybody says it's like your whole life, but they don't really mean that when they tell you that. And that unlocked in that moment for me, like there is joy and connection 
to a higher power all the time if you're open to it. <laughs> right, right. I think it's a good way to describe it, though, because there is a certain connection. And see, like, I can't relate to your story at all. And the <laughs> reason is, and but it's funny because we're talking about the same record, but I don't relate to it at all because I didn't start taking self-care seriously until very recently. <laughs> if you listen to some of my past episodes, it sounds like I was literally trying to kill myself mm-hmm. via lifestyle, you know, and... Now it's more sort of realizing that, but I would have never had, in 2020 especially, I felt like I didn't have time to take care of myself and to to sort of enjoy what was going on around me because, you know, and you can relate to this as a podcaster, you know how like throughout the year we will reach out to probably hundreds of people trying to get interviews and things like that. And, you know, people always compliment us. I'm like, oh, I can't believe you got so-and-so, you know, or I can't believe you got this person's great. And I always thought in the back of my head, you should hear about all the people that I didn't get, right? <laughs> you know, that, that I did reach out to. But what happened in 2020, you know, in March of 2020, everybody's like, yeah, bud, I'm, I'm real busy. You know, I got to do this. I got to do this tour. I got to do that. I got to do this. And I, I'm just not going to have, I, I don't have time to dedicate a night to do your podcast. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. you know. And then after March of 2020, they all started hitting me back up. Right. <laughs> you know, and being like, turns out I've got time, <laughs> you know. And I threw myself into this rigorous schedule of just doing interviews. So it was like, get up, go to go to work, come home from work, make dinner, put the kids to bed you know, which involves reading stories and and all of that, cleaning up dinner, coming downstairs, cracking open a six pack of beer, and then talking to so-and-so from so-and-so, you know, until the wee hours of the morning or whatever it was that we did. We did some, I'd have done some ridiculously long interviews. I just never had time to relax enough to appreciate this record. But it's funny that you brought up Shapeshifter because I certainly listened to the record but I never opened myself up to it the way that you should with a record like this yeah and in my opinion this is on par with like how I feel about language by the contortionist or arbiter by hopes fall you know that sort of deeper connection that like you said you sort of have to open yourself up to you have to be receptive to it and I just wasn't like my lifestyle wasn't open to it so I didn't connect with inlet probably until first quarter of 2021 you know i was very familiar with the record but i remember i drove down to the studio to record an episode of discography discussion but my co-host wasn't there because it was out of his house and he wasn't there for whatever reason and i was so tired from the day this is whenever i had really bad sleep apnea and stuff so like it was hard for me to stay awake if i sat still for too long a lot of terrifying implications to that, you know, involving nodding off at, at traffic lights and <laughs> things like that. But I remember I was just sitting in my car and the sun was going down. It was like 6 7 o'clock and I fell asleep, but I only like half fell asleep. Like you're laying there kind of, kind of awake. Like I'm just sitting, I wasn't really laying there. I was sitting in my car with my headphones on because I didn't have a CD copy of the record. So I'm listening to it in my headphones in my car, and I sort of just, I fade out somewhere during Step Into You, and then I fade back in on the second half of Shapeshifter.
yeah, that four and a half minute mark where the drums cut to halftime. You hit the the splashy ride. Dun, oh my god! Dun dun dun! Yeah, yeah. You crank yeah. that up in the car, man. Yeah, you get you get lost. <laughs> well, I woke up feeling like a totally different emotion than I felt whenever I went to sleep. You know, and I'm not talking like, oh, the record influenced me on a sublimal level, you know, or anything like that. Maybe, I mean, maybe it did, but once you hit that four minute, you know, mark, the song completely shape shifts in, into something else entirely. And I remember just like letting that song play and I'm like slowly kind of coming out of sleep. I'm just looking around everything's like really quiet and it's dark and there's no cars going by or anything. And I just let the, the additional four minutes <laughs> play out. <laughs> and it made me feel so peaceful in a way that I probably didn't feel again until a long time later. Like it sounds stupid that like, oh, it's a song and you listen to it. And it made you feel better or whatever but it was just something about me being forced to relax because if my night had gone the way i wanted it to i would have been inside recording discography discussion and probably drinking and making my problems worse and you know <laughs> i may have listened to inlet on the way down there and then inlet on the way back right but it wouldn't have hit the same way mm -hmm. it, there was something about me being forced to relax that's whenever this record really opened itself up for me yeah yeah i mean like shapeshifter when you and I had first floated the idea of talking about this record, I went back and I listened to it again on a run, as is my habit. Um, and just like the last, that portion of Shapeshifter, like I'm running and like listening to the lyrics again and just like crying on my run. Oh. <laughs> and like, like that last stanza of lyrics, where's the place for what's all left of me? Where do we keep the things we don't need? Where's the soulless promise being voices before? Like, that hit so deep because like how much of just like coming out of uh 2020 and and 2016 and i don't want to get super political but there's a lot of things that happened in that time where you know i think a lot of us and a lot of people let certain beliefs or certain friends or relationships go and felt disappointed by people and it's just like you have this emptiness of just like where do i fit in where do i belong all these people who i respected I really have a hard time looking at and talking to because they seem crazy to me. Right. <laughs> and and like, wh where do I fit in? And I, I feel that when I listen to that song. Now I listen to that song and I, I get like blitzed out and I can just crank it really loud and just enjoy it and let the music wash over me too. But those lyrics can also like hit me super hard. I mean, the last lines of the song, you know, suddenly me just here back on the land reaching for you and finding your hand. Like, I mean, what a perfect closing track. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a tearjerker for sure. Just that reach of you finding your hand because it's so universal, like certain longing that sort of takes place throughout this whole record of you're on a journey to get somewhere to find somebody or find something. And then at the end, you find it in that peaceful moment where you let everything else fade out. That's the part that gets me. Dude, I'll listen to My problem with this record is I love the rest of the record. But what happens is I find myself listening to every song, and then I get to Shapeshifter, and then I listen to Shapeshifter again. Yeah. And then I listen to it again, and then I listen to it again, over and over again. And Because I think to a certain degree, I'm like trying to recreate that peaceful feeling that I felt that one time. Uh-huh. You know, it's like being on drugs, right? Like your first experience is, you know, amazing. It's incredible, <laughs> you know, and you feel so good. And then you spend time trying to recreate that feeling because yeah. even though I felt good in that moment, 
I didn't understand why mm-hmm. it made me feel good. I don't. I didn't understand why it made me relax because I'm not naturally inclined to relax or to chill out. You know, there's always something to do. There's always somewhere to be. I found that in the time since then, I've gotten there, but only once I realized that I needed to be open to what the record had to offer. I was also trying to enjoy it during a time where when I would listen to a record, I would look for specific things because I needed to, you know, maybe talk about them journalistically. And like this bled into just regular records that I would try to enjoy (laughs) whenever I had time. It was always sort of like tainted by that mindset of like, you know, because even now I even did it tonight. This is the heaviest hum record as if that's something that like we were going to debate about. You know, right. or, or as if it was something that we that that somehow validates this record for the people that are listening to this podcast, right? Mm-hmm. Another song that I really, really, really like is "Step Into You," just because it kicks off at a higher tempo mm-hmm. than the other songs, and that it's funny because this is where I fell asleep you know it was somewhere in the middle of this song but it's kind of like the more faster paced song it's the closest thing I think you can get on this record to a single yeah you know and it stands out like that but what I like about it is that it gives me that classic hum vibe that is kind of what I was looking for going into this record you know and in order to get there though you have to get through waves you have to get through in the den which is incredible you have to get through Desert Rambler, you know, and it's just, it's interesting that I remember thinking, like, I've always thought of Hum as this, like, really, like, spacey rock band, mm-hmm. you know, and for the first three three songs or so, you don't, you don't really get that. You get the spacey part, but you don't get, like, the driving rock tune. And so I thought it was interesting that Step Into You even made it into the record because it's not... How do I even say this without it sounding like I don't want it to be on the record because I do want it to be on the record? <laughs> it just stands out. It's different. It's a notable song. It's probably... but it, Unless I get stuck on a shapeshifter loop, this is the song that I find myself returning to the most on this album. I mean, it's, it's one of those records that, like, I said this when I reviewed the Darling Fire record a few weeks back, where it's like, as listeners and consumers, we can take these lyrics and like the artist wrote something and they have a point in what they wrote. But once it's ours, it's our interpretation. And Stepping to You is one of those songs where it's like, you know, wanting to see for myself again. It's a race to the ground back to you again. I'm lost. Path is unclear and the air is thin. I'm over it. And everything here isn't true. Like, again, those like, for me, those feelings of just like, lost in this world of like ex-evangelical ex-christianity and you're just like what like where am i it's it's that constant theme that i don't think they that's what they mean by any of these songs but when it's hitting me in this moment in 2020 and even 2022 looking back like that's where i come to this record i mean you mentioned in the den for a long time in the den is a song i get stuck on just the like reverb guitar opening that like spacey atmosphere i love that so much like i just repeat that song all the time yeah in the den is really good i'm glad that you brought up the first well you brought up the lyrics to step into you because it's funny you know i i love interpretation like i love this that you and i got two very different things out of it 
It's funny because in the old days, this would have been an argument. I'd have been like, this is about this. And you'd have been like, okay, dude, stop shouting. You know, But no, like wanting to see for myself again, it's a race to go to the ground, back to you again. I am lost. Path is unclear. And that everything here isn't true. What I get out of that is sort of coping with the old way I used to do things and the new way that I used or the new way that I do things in that like I re I definitely reached a point in my life around this time where I realized that my old coping strategies didn't work anymore you know <laughs> and I think that that's where the and everything here isn't true you know it used to be enough for me to just grind my way through things you know it used to be enough to work really 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 hard and then and then work will get better life will get better money will get better you know all of these things will get better but what i was missing in all of that is i was like grind 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 and then i would sort of look around and, at everybody around me and they weren't grinding as hard as i was mm -hmm. and i think that like a stupid person gets resentful you know and i'm a stupid person so i did get <laughs> resentful for a while until i realized that the people around me were manipulating their circumstances in order to succeed yeah and sort of coming to that realization that that's kind of what I needed to do, you know, in order to get better, in order to make life or make the outcome of things more along the lines of what I, and I'm mostly just talking about work stuff here, you know, but like just making myself more a little bit like I like I talked about in the Norma Jean episode about like taking the elements that are good about what I do and molding them into something that is more palatable towards my success and i think the whole just the idea of step into you is sort of stepping into that role that you need to play in order to be more successful and successful could mean anything it could mean in a job or it could mean in your marriage or it could mean in just successful in whatever goal you want to accomplish that you think is important yeah couldn't be any more vague than I'm being right now. But I don't know. I think that's sort of this record, though. If it was cold and hard and concrete, it wouldn't be enjoyable. You know, you've got these sounds that automatically make you more introspective. I think that's what draws me to this particular brand of rock music is that, like, it is designed to make you look inward. Mm -hmm. Just with the melodies and all of the texture and just sort of the, the possibilities and the visuals that you create in your head when you're listening mm -hmm. to music. Hopefully that's not just me that does that. But you imagine certain things. Sometimes it's based on the album cover or it's based on the way a song sounds or whatever. This record in particular is probably the best right now for me where I can sort of visualize something in each song. <laughs> it's just spectacular. Like I don't feel that way about a lot of records. Like a lot of records, it's like, I like this record because it's about this. Or yeah. I like this record because it sounds like this. Or maybe I like this record because it doesn't sound like anyone else. It's not that there aren't other bands out there doing what Hum's doing. They're not doing it as well as Hum's doing it, in my opinion. But it is just an anomaly to me because I don't listen to this record for a particular reason other than to try to mold it to whatever situation I'm in at the time. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this record, like... When it came out, it took me months before I made this like connection and, and got into the lyrics and like had this openness to like the the things the lyrics were saying and how they were impacting me. For months, it was just like this record sounds fucking phenomenal. 
and like the guitars are huge the drums sound great it's mixed well it's driving it's a great record to run to it's super loud and i just love it musically and then once like the lyrics hit for me then it's like it unlocks this extra layer where you're like now this means more than just being like this great record that i love and it's still a great record that i love and i mean it was just my favorite record of 2020 i was just going back through my list to make sure i wasn't wrong there and like there are some great <laughs> records in 2020 yeah i mean this record like just hands down blew everything else away constant rotation and like it's just continued that two years later like i put it on and i still feel it's as fresh it's as inspiring it's, it doesn't sound stale or dated or the songs haven't lost their luster and shine and meaning yet. No, they haven't. And I think that the fun challenge for me is that I haven't completely wrapped my head around all of it. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's times where like, cause it's easy for me to just put it in a category. Cause like I make playlists sometimes of just like chill music. Cause I, I really do want to relax you know, at some point. So I've got that playlist for the day that it actually happens. You know, for every track like Shapeshifter, then you end up with something like The Summoning, which right. puts you in a completely different mindset. And this this is where I'm getting all the, this is such a heavy record, you know, <laughs> comparisons, because this song starts off so heavy, like almost Doom riffs heavy, yeah. you know? And I've never heard Hum do anything like that before. And so that song is a little bit, more angry a twist and i'm gone through the ether onto home a slip and i'm all alone lit up and falling slow to me yeah. that's just that's anger and anger that has no outlet Yeah. <laughs> you know, and so like I, I've always found that very because I think that's that's highly relatable for most people is is being being angry, but feeling like there's really nowhere you can go with it. It's just what I sort of get from the whole lit up and falling slow. Yeah, like, and and I mean like that like that rip that's so doomy and like lyrics like misplaced dreams given up foregone maps are lost and never meant a thing here anyways. I mean like that's Jesus, some heavy yeah. heavy metaphorical stuff. It's funny because I've kind of put off talking about this record because like I always have too much trouble articulating how it actually makes me feel. Right. <laughs> you know, like it's scary in a way because I mean I a certain argument could be made that I have been putting off talking about this record for like two years. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's because I like to sort of have things figured out. I like to figure out what the lesson is mm -hmm. in it. And this doesn't have a lesson, really. It's more of just a, hey, man, we're here feeling these things. And we're also outrageously creative and we can write music that will make you sort of look inward and we have we write lyrics that you can relate to but maybe not directly like they're almost encouraging you to put your own meaning behind these things or they're just that abstract one of the things that i feel like has always been hard about music podcasting in particular is associating motive 
Yeah. You know, because like I did it all the time, you know, like these guys did this because they wanted to sell more records or these guys wrote this song about this. I know it because of this or, you know, and with this record, I'm just I'm not able to pull out my regular bag of tricks of this is how I'm going to, you know, I'm, I'm going to take this record and explain it to you. And all I can really definitively say is that this and probably, you know, I hate that I keep bringing up Arbiter, but this record and Arbiter are the two records that keep me sort of out of my comfort zone as far as lyrical analysis. Like, in full disclosure, I told Brian before we even did this, I didn't really ever even read the lyrics to this album, you know, until yeah. until today, which is, you know, unusual. But I have found that albums that make me feel introspective, I typically don't bother with the lyrics mm-hmm. because in a way it ruins it for me. Yeah. Because it's like, what if I read those lyrics and it's like, you know, something really dumb or obvious or like, or, or like if Waves was literally just about watching the ocean, right. you know, or, or something like that, like it, it would ruin it for me in a way. And I, I sort of did the same thing to Jeff on the Contortionist episode where I was like, honestly, I love this record. It's one of my favorites. I don't really care about the lyrics. And it's not that I don't care about them, but I don't care enough to invest in them in an analytical way. Right. Just like everything else on this record, you kind of just listen to it and decide how you feel about it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for a band like this and, like, with the lyrics, you you hear things and you pick up things. And for me, it's always like, I'm hearing something and I'm relating to this. Let me dive into this and read the lyrics and see what is actually being said and how I can relate to that. And it doesn't have to be what anybody meant. I mean, I've said this before. I know Corey from Norma Jean is on a different political spectrum than I am, but it, like those are some angry leftist anthems Corey's written for Norma Jean in my head. <laughs> yeah. And I'm just like, I'm just like, that's great, right? Like he wrote this song and it's ambiguous enough where I can imply my own meaning to this, and this is great. And I feel the same way with this record where it's like the lyrics just met me at the right time. And musically, you know, I was already listening to things like Spotlights and you know, uh, failure. And so like, I was already in this heavy space rock, you know, post hardcore headspace and vibe anyways. And like, hum just perfected it. (laughs) Yeah, no, they really did because I didn't really know what to think whenever I hit play. But when I did hit play, my immediate feeling is it reminded me of being a kid again. It's no secret that I've had kind of a lifelong obsession with things that remind me of space yeah and it's not even space because i've thought about this a lot before i started literally started an episode with i love space it's not even necessarily the space aspect of it as much as it's the exploration Uh uh-huh you know like the physical exploration of going out into this vast abyss and not knowing what you're going to see and not knowing what you're going to encounter it's got that irresistible mystery to it And this is one of the few records that I would describe as a space rock type of album Mm -hmm. that actually makes me feel that way. Yeah, yeah. I mean, for me, in younger years, it was all like sea exploration and like the time, like old timey sailors. And I got got a ship tattooed on my arm, right? Like it was all I used to write poetry about being a sailor and going off on this adventure. And that has more into space travel and visiting distant planets and the multiverse and shit like that. So that idea of like exploration, I think is ingrained and built into us this unknown and finding something out there, 
discovery. I think it's how we approach music as discovery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, discovering and rediscovering. <laughs> it is always going to be fascinating if bands and, and musicians continue to explore that aspect of it because we do live in a world now and maybe music has always been this way. We live in a world where people do what works, like without a doubt, every single time. And sometimes what works changes, you know, but with a record like Inlet, it's interesting seeing a band like Hum, who is sort of known as this like classic band, classic from the 90s. It just depends on what, I guess it just depends on what decade you're born in. Yeah. To still sort of be carrying that torch of introspection because it not only sounds and makes me feel like I'm exploring outer space or even the deep sea that was a good thought process too but you're also exploring yourself right yeah like you're you're exploring okay this song made me feel this why did it make me feel that way Mm -hmm. you know what was it about it specifically that made me feel more relaxed or maybe feel sad or made me feel good that's not a feeling that I typically get listening to records. I'm more likely to put on a YouTube compilation of suicidal black metal <laughs> before I would willingly put on something like this. But because I love those space sounds and I like that atmosphere, I'm going to go to Inlet every single time because it's been two years and I'm still sort of discovering new things about it as I listen. It's going to be interesting to see how long that feeling lasts. Is it going to be 2030 and I'm going to be on like episode 500 and you'll be back and be like, yep, it's still awesome. You know what I mean? Like, you know, and then we just sit down and have the same conversation again about how we just keep exploring, exploring, exploring. And maybe we'll have different takes on the record completely than we do now. Like maybe not. Uh, And I think that's still exciting. If there's a word that I can really use to describe this record is it's, it's exciting but not mm-hmm. exciting in like a really like bombastic in your face kind of way. It is a bit more subdued. You have to acclimate to the mood and vibe that's being laid down mm-hmm. before you can really get into it. And I wish that I had something <laughs> something more epic to say about it, but this is a record that you really just have to listen to. Yeah. Yeah. I mean like I was listening to the new Olhava record today and like the emotionality of just the music alone like made me feel something but like inlet there was this uh you know transcendent moment of just like what a spiritual awakening sounds dumb but kind of right like this moment of just like it takes you somewhere else and and that's what this record continues to do and and yeah. it's it's a moment that like i've not had one since then and i i, I had it at that unwed sailor show i had it seeing cigarettes at the 930 club in dc in 2003 and i've had it with hum and it's like those moments happen and it's just like you appreciate them when they come and like there's something special about it yeah and i want more (laughs) but it's also cool because i don't want more and then i'm like oh you know when we gonna get that new hum record it's it's not like that yeah i want i want more out of this like i want to keep scooping from the well you know until it's completely dry because i'm a consumer and that's that's what i do i want to get all the value (laughs) you know out of it Mm -hmm. that i can and then just wring the drops out you know, at the yeah. end of it, this record continues to overfill my cup whenever I come to it looking for something that will take me somewhere else, maybe help change my mindset. 
this record was very instrumental in a lot of the lifestyle changes that I made. Not dictating specifically what I needed to change, but helping me change my day-to-day -day mindset of just loud and fast and abrasive and split-second decision-making. This sort of inspired me to make decisions more slowly. Maybe, maybe try some things and see what things work, or maybe there are certain aspects that don't need a major change, but some aspects that do, but you can't just go about it in day one. You know, I don't know, it taught me a lot of, a lot of patience and a lot of open-mindedness mm -hmm. that I feel like as a metal CD reviewer guy, I sort of lacked, <laughs> you know, going into it. You know, it's everything has to be a specific way every time, you know? Yeah. And this record's like, nah, sorry, fuck you, dude. And and I'm still hearing things and discovering things about this album that are inspirational. Listening to the vinyl earlier today and the way the guitar fades out and the ambient guitar like just fades out unfolding and how it just expands and it's this soundscape and it, it has that spacey quality of just like drifting and it's just like that into Shapeshifter and you're just like, I'd not noticed that previously. Yeah. Yeah, Shapeshifter is still, I mean, it's still my song of the year because it's still 2020. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I can't get over it. And I'm probably going to play it way too much in the background of this episode. If you're on the fence, like if you listen to this record and you're not moved by Step Into You or you're not moved by In The Den or even Folding, I think Folding is also incredible. Shapeshifter is, you know... I wouldn't say it's the song to start with because I feel like that song is so good that you're going to get stuck in a loop like I did. And you're just going to keep going, 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 going. And there's a whole record left of songs that are going to make you feel a similar way. Mm -hmm. But they are going to hit a little bit differently. Yeah. I mean, the, the album's a journey. You, you listen to it front to back and, and let the band take you where where it's going. And and the payoff you get is, is worth it. I mean... Even if you don't feel something emotionally, like the record sounds great. The guitar, the clean guitars sound beautiful. The riffs are heavy. The drums sound great. They might not be the most complicated drums you've ever heard, but like they sound phenomenal. Like it's a well-mixed, well-produced record. For sure. That's not even close to what could actually be said, but all that could be said about this record. Listen to it front to back and let me know what you thought of it. If it's a first time listening to this record, leave a comment or send me an email or something. You know, let me know how this record made you feel. You don't have to tell me your life story or, or anything personal, but just like, you know, part of the fun discovery of this is of this record is talking about it with other people. So I want to be able to do that. And um, like, like you did with Brian tonight. And Brian, thanks so much, man, for doing this. This is a fun chat about a record that I think that we both love. You know, we've done, I've sort of done the dynamic of this person hasn't heard the record, but this person has heard yeah. the record, or I haven't <laughs> heard it. This, this is one where we both know it. I found it very interesting how differently we both approached it and what we got out of it was different, but also still have that love and appreciation. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, music means something different to everybody. And, you know, it's, it's a shared connection, even if it means something different. Thanks again, Brian. We'll have you on another one real soon. Next season, probably.
Thank you guys so much for listening to this episode of DFT's Dungeon. If you guys like the podcast, make sure you're subscribing. If you guys want to reach out to me directly, you can email me at dftdungeon@gmail.com. There's going to be links to all my social media in the show notes for this episode. And make sure you guys listen to Inlet by Hum. I mean, obviously, Brian and I went on for about 40 minutes explaining why we love the record. But I am actually serious and interested in what you guys think of that record, especially if you've never heard it before. So make sure to let me know that. If you guys want to get a hold of me like more directly than just email, uh, I do have a Discord server for the podcast. You guys can check that out. And I also have a Patreon. There will be links in the show notes for all of that. And I can't wait to see you guys again next week. Thanks so much. It's all.